All right, and welcome back, all. It's episode 46. As you can probably tell, I am pretty sick and have quite the baritone voice for this episode, or at least for this intro, so bear with me. But this past weekend, I was on location for the second time, and this was at Fitted Toronto's ninth annual event. While I was there, the Drift Jam gang were gracious enough to let me post up in their tent and record a few shows, and many thanks to both David Sue and Arthur from Fitted for connecting me with such great people at the show. I really, really felt the love uh, and appreciated uh, appreciate everything you guys did. Serious kudos to nearly a decade of running such a successful event. So my first two guests are senior editor Mickey Slinger and associate editor Adam Gordon from Performance Auto and Sound Magazine, or PassMag for everyone that knows. So these guys undoubtedly have an endless supply of cool car stories, and that was really apparent after the first few minutes of talking to them. So I tried to dig into some kind of top-level topics about the magazine, and then as I always do, got to know what it was that got them into cars in the first place. I suspect that Mickey, Adam, and I will have lots to talk about in future episodes if they're up for it. And in keeping with the theme of the show, I think I barely scraped the surface for this first chat together. A quick apology for the wind noise and fluctuating volume levels in this episode, and I laugh because it was comical. It was a super hot, super windy day, and between the dust storm that was being kicked up in our faces while we were outside um, and um, some unexpected audio demonstrations from the parking lot that was very near uh, that on top of all of the wind and lav mics that I made a rookie mistake and didn't have proper wind covers for. Um, it really made for a fight for me to regulate the levels the whole time. So you'll hear that throughout the episode and apologies for that. Um, it was certainly a learning experience. So nonetheless, on to the episode. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and this is the Bucket Seat Podcast. Okay, okay, cool. It's an explicit show and is rated I can barely such. talk without swear. I was going to say, I'm like, okay, i really got to regulate myself. This is not the case. No, no, you don't need to. You okay, don't need cool. to at all. And it'll be kind of weird because I'm going to try to, I'm going to be talking across at you guys this way. Okay. Um, but, okay, so here we are. So we're live at the ninth annual Fitted Toronto show. It's pretty hot. Uh, luckily, all the badass vehicles are pretty, are located inside the facility here. And we found a pretty quiet corner. Uh, that the Drift Jam guys were very kind enough to uh, let us borrow for the show. Shout so, out Drift Jam. Yeah, Joe Verdivo, thank you guys for that. Um, and you guys have come highly recommended as guests to chat with from uh, David Sue, the <laughs> founder of Fitted. So um, Thanks, I've got here with me Adam Gordon and uh, Mickey Slinger from PassMag or Performance Auto and Sound Magazine. So welcome to the show, guys. Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you very much. All right, so Adam, you've been an associate editor at PassMag for almost two years or over two years now? Yeah, just broke the two-year mark. Okay, and Mickey, you've been at PassMag for five years? So five years now, yeah. And you've gone from basically intern to associate editor to senior editor now? All the way. Nice, man. <laughs> nice. Um, so, you know, you guys are pretty high up in the food chain there as I was looking through the whole organization, so I appreciate you being able to spend some time with me. Absolutely. Happy to. Okay, so we're going to move on uh, to the magazine itself or the publication itself, I guess okay. you could call it. So um, why don't you guys give us a rundown on what PassMag is? So if somebody didn't know what PassMag is, how would you describe it to them? 
I'd say that Pass Mag is kind of like your grassroots uh, tuner mag, but even tuner might be putting it too much uh, into a niche. I'd say we cover kind of everything. We do a lot of really heavily themed issues throughout the year. Um, so we'll do, you know, uh, JDM Euro, um, American Metal, we'll do, uh, you know, style-oriented stuff where it's all fitment and stance, we'll do stuff that's all performance-oriented so it's only stuff that touches the track. Uh, really, we just kind of touch anything that's, uh, anything that's cool. Uh, anything that's, uh, that's cool, that's out there, that's kind of trending right now, and uh, we like to kind of hit on some stuff that are like, uh, like hidden gems, I want to say. So like, it, it's great to get the stuff in the mag sometimes that's, uh, you know, trending on Instagram or Facebook or whatever else, but uh, if you can find something that's kind of cool and local that maybe a whole lot of people don't know about, but there's a lot of like heart put into that, yeah, we yeah. love featuring that stuff too. So I'd say that's kind of like our bread and butter. Nice. And I mean, you guys aren't, I mean, although you're Canadian based, I mean, mm. this is a, you know, this is an organization that doesn't just have borders like within our, you know, within our own country here, right? For sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. Whenever we go to a trade show, people come up to us and they ask us like, oh, so like, how's California? And we're like, I don't, you tell me, like, <laughs> we have no idea. And they're like, what do you mean? It's like, we're, we're from Canada, dude. Like we're, we're, we're based in Toronto. And they're like, oh, I had no idea. So yeah, we, we very much operate like we're U.S. based, but um, I mean, heart and soul is still rooted here in, in Canada. So nice. And your your office is here in Canada too? It is. Yeah, yeah. Liberty Village. Nice. Oh yeah. wow, you guys are right around the corner from me. I'm just up by the Drake Hotel. Not oh yeah, right around the corner. Okay, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> right on. Um, cool. Okay, so um, when did Passmeg start? Ooh, uh, I think it was actually uh, '99. Yeah, it was like '98 or '99, and uh, Passmeg first started out as a specialty section in a newspaper. Oh, so really? there was a newspaper that handled, um, it was all racing and track results and stuff like that. Yep. And uh, the, uh, the founder, uh, Frank Spazzano, uh, started almost, uh, almost 20 years now or around 20 years now uh, with that little section in the newspaper and then uh, just kind of moved up and up. And then there was the explosion with, you know, Fast and the Furious. And I think it was around 2000, 2001 when uh, we actually launched the, uh, the magazine. Um, so we've been, yeah, we've been going for like about 20 years now. It's amazing. It's crazy. It's, it's so funny, like the number of guests I've had on the show that kind of bashfully always talk about the Fast and the Furious and what it did to start <laughs> some things or how it kind of sparked a lot of what they were into with cars. But it's a definitely, it's a common thread between everybody I've talked well, I mean, to. So, how many how many times do we see like a spec list come in from an owner and they're like, my reason for getting into cars is almost every time, you yeah. know, like we'll get be it tuner battlegrounds or be it a feature. Anybody who's kind of in this demographic, you know, your early 20s, even the teenagers now up to like early 30s, like, yeah, Fast and Furious. Kicked yeah. me off. Or like one of my mods is inspired by Fast and Furious. You know, I think it, it kind of kickstarted a lot of this scene or, uh, yeah. a resonance, or renaissance of the, the cartooning culture. Yeah. So that definitely impacted us. It makes totally. so much sense. Well, and now there's so many generations of people that are into cars and you've got what eight eight fast and furious is it now seven right. eight something along those lines so there's like there's so. one for every generation now Absolutely. so it doesn't matter Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um okay so um if someone didn't know what it meant to be an associate editor or a senior editor at uh, at a magazine let alone like at pass mag um how would you guys describe that to them oh boy I don't, you want to tackle this yeah why not uh, <laughs> it really is a full-time job i mean uh you never really get to turn off. I mean, you're on the you're out on the weekends and you're checking social media, you're out at events, and you're still thinking like, how can I use this? How can I connect with these people? What can we do to bring value to somebody else in the community and something like that? Yeah. Uh, we're always on the hunt, as well as we're always trying to innovate. I mean, Passmag is a bit of a legacy brand, so as much as it started with a print issue, 
the world has changed, obviously. Everything's online now, people's attention is in their phones. So we're always looking at new ways to present content in video, audio, podcasts are really cool. All the sorts of uh, new innovations of media is, is really on our mind these days. Yeah, and, and I mean, like, um, Adam and myself, we, we manage just like, a, a, we, we call it a stable, but it's like a, a country's worth of, uh, of, of contributors just across North America. Um, even, you know, we've, we've got guys in, you know, like Hawaii, Portugal, like uh, Japan, Germany, like the New Zealand. Oh, wow. There's, there's people everywhere that we're constantly in contact with because we're like, we're just totally always inundated with like feature requests and check out this car and this is really cool and that's how we like it. Yeah. Because it's just like, you, it's, it's never ending. Like there's always something to choose from. There's always, a, there's always a cooler car out there. There's always someone doing something that hasn't been done. Um, so yeah, we're just, we're always, we always kind of have our, our fingers on our hands on the pulse of, uh, of what's going on as far as tuning anywhere in the world. Yeah. Now, I mean, when it comes to what you guys do as editors at the magazine mm -hmm. or at the publication itself, I mean, if you were to remove the context of automotive from that completely and, right. and you had to describe that to somebody, um, what would your, you know, a typical day in the life of, of a Mickey or an Adam go through? <laughs> like, what would you guys, what would you guys be doing in, in your day to day? I guess uh, a common thread we always hear in the office is that we're in the content organization business. Uh -huh. So we're not always the ones generating the content. Like Vicky said, we've got a stable of contributors around the world, but if we're going to bring value to our audience or to anybody who might be discovering us on social media, it's got to be organized on our end so we can present it succinctly enough for people with the attention spans of goldfish, right? So you see a little thing on social, you get a little interested, and then when you get down to the print product is where we boil down the best of the best. We kind of present it in a way where it's easily digestible and informative as well. Right. I like it. Um, we're just going to take a super quick break while I just, I'm going to adjust your mic, Mickey. Quick hiatus with a little technical <laughs> difficulty. Um, okay, so I was going to ask you guys, um, your favorite piece of work that you guys have done while you're at PassMag? Ooh. Um, oh, that's so hard, man. Yeah, it's like choosing your favorite child. Oh, the, <laughs> the amount of like features and stuff that I write like over just the past five years that I've been at Pass is just like nuts. Like, I've just, oh, pick one. <laughs> Even if you had to pick a top three. Ooh. Okay, well, um, I'm going to say one of my favorite ones was... Um, uh, Ken Block's Unicorn. I did that a few uh, years ago yeah. when that kind of first hit the scene. Like, remember when that that video came out? Just like broke the internet. Yeah, uh, totally. Did. Right after, right after. Um, yeah, so that was kind of like my my favorite feature because um, it was it was really cool. Like, I got to speak with Ken a little bit, but the kind of meat of that interview came from um, a a guy from the UK that I talked to, and he was the director of the Hoonigan Racing Team. And he pretty much just sat on the phone with me for like two hours and broke down like every single component of the car. Jesus. And it just, it, it made, it, it was a really, really cool interview. Um, I learned a whole, whole lot. <laughs> and, uh, and I feel like it just made the feature really good too. Like I had a lot of fun writing it um, just cause it was very technical. It wasn't like, it wasn't like on other cars where sometimes you don't have a whole lot to talk about. So you're like, you're kind of referencing like the part list. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah, he's got these wheels. He's got this and he's got that. Like it was, like it was just craziness, like how they found this car and they just kind of like shook hands with this old guy who had like this original 65 Mustang. And uh, they're like, yeah, we'll take good care of it. And then they just completely tear the thing apart. And like, it's just, I think the only thing Mustang left on that thing were like maybe the doors. Like it was just, it, it was crazy. But uh, yeah, I think, I think that was probably my favorite. Um, 
out of all the probably hundreds or thousands of <laughs> features that I've done. That you've done, yeah. Yeah. Uh, hey, can you can you just shift this way a little bit? Just to, no, no, other way, other way. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, this way. Just, this you're way. just getting a little like wind block. Oh, okay, for okay, me. okay, okay. Um, I, it, actually, I wanted to ask too. Like, how long does that take you to to research and write an article like that? Uh, I'd have to say. It's definitely like it can be like the better part of a week sometimes, depending. Because I mean, like when you've got a like a like a higher profile feature like that, you've got to kind of get in touch first, get in touch with the right guys. Yeah. Uh, then you've got to schedule the uh, the interview, figure out who you're going to talk to. Then as far as uh, lining up time zones, sometimes you got to stay late. Um, and then usually, yeah, like uh, conversations can can be. I've had some that are 20 minutes. I've had some that are almost three hours. Wow. So you kind of got to take that all out. And then um, usually when you're doing it over the phone, it takes another almost a day to transcribe that, especially on the longer conversations. And then you pretty much take that, move into the feature. Feature can take one to two days to write. Um, so yeah, when you've got more involved ones like that, then uh, I'd say better part of a week. Um, but I mean, I've done ones where you know, you, you're already in contact with the owner. He fills out a spec sheet and a questionnaire. Will you do a quick little you know, back and forth while you're there? And then, I mean, you can pretty much go in the office the next day and write it all out. Like, it could take two days. Yeah. So, uh, or maybe even one sometimes. Um, so it really definitely does uh, depend on how involved all the, all the kind of factors and players are in the feature. Yeah. Yeah. Adam from the Lowrider chair. <laughs> Personally, I gotta say my favorite so far. Man, that's a hard choice. <laughs> I mean, going to SEMA is always really good. Yeah. I but I don't know if that counts. Um, yeah, that's a I little mean, while it's ago. A bit, it's kind of cheating. It's kind of yeah, cheating. Just right? to pick all cheating. of SEMA. <laughs> a little while ago, Clarion flew me out to California to hang out with Chris Forsberg for a day at Streets of Willow, oh, and no we way. did some like live streams and ride-alongs and 360 videos. So I think, as far as like multimedia content, that's definitely been my favorite. Yeah. But uh, as far as things that went into the magazine, uh, sometime last year, we did a piece in our Japan special issue which was all about period correct Japanese cars oh, and no their, way. their influence and how they've kind of taken hold in the drifting scene here. Yeah, yeah. So I basically got to get together with a bunch of buddies who drive these epic period correct S15s, S13s. And uh, we just did a beautiful photo shoot at sunset. We drove around for like four hours together and just shot the shit, talked about cars. And then it turned into a really good article with great photos. And uh, it's been really well received so far. So that's definitely my favorite print thing. That's awesome. I've got to check that out. I never, I, I have to admit that I haven't seen oh, it. So. I'll get you an issue. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so this wind is killing me. Um, okay, so we've got your favorite piece of work. What about the um, what about the most gratifying thing that you've done since you started the magazine? It might not be an article. It might not be um, anything particular in terms of the work output. But um, what would you guys say it is as past mag? It could be the culture. It could be meeting people. It could be whatever. But uh, what comes to mind? I think, I think the most gratifying thing, um, especially as a guy that kind of grew up reading tuner mags, and you know, like that was kind of one of my one of my uh, one of my inlets into it. Um, I would say that every time you finish a feature and the owner is just genuinely excited. I think that's the coolest, like the most gratifying thing anyway, is like, you know, it maybe it took a while to get the feature together. Maybe there were some complications, but like at the end of the day, when they have those, you know, 800 to a thousand words on, on a page and they see it in a PDF or they see it in the magazine for the first time. And like, I've seen dudes like start crying and it's like, it's like, uh, that's, that's, that's awesome. some of the coolest <laughs> stuff is it's just like, that was that guy's dream and like I was able to kind of make that happen yeah and that's just, it's it's a really cool feeling like it, it's worth 
all of the you know hours of transcribing and interviews and all the other crap that we have to deal with on a daily basis like when you see someone that's just genuinely excited um, about seeing themselves in something that like you created and you kind of you know it's, it's a collaboration you guys kind of created it together because they had an input as well and uh yeah that's that's got to be the most gratifying thing for sure that makes total sense i mean the amount of time everybody puts into their cars to realize that that you know you you finally had that gratification of someone else recognizing it for what it was and all the hard work that went into it it's awesome it's so always so cool to see adam what about you i gotta agree with once you finish something and then a couple days later you get an email or a call from the owner and they're like dude holy shit i didn't think it would look this cool like thank you so much like they're thanking us meanwhile they're the ones that provided us with this incredible content <laughs> yeah, it's amazing yeah. subject. it's amazing just to see how happy these people get on something as simple as that uh, okay so the one that not everybody loves talking about but what's the most challenging or what was the the least gratifying thing that you guys have encountered while you've been at pass mike uh oh boy I don't. I got one. I got one. I don't know if I can talk about it though. That's that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> I can be vague about it. Sometimes. Yeah, I'll be vague. Somebody. Be vague. Or or allegedly it happened to someone else in a similar <laughs> industry somewhere. Right. Sometimes we'll get people that. Uh, putting this super gently, they're they're often like really full of themselves. Yeah. And uh, like I can understand, there's it's an e industry with a lot of egos. But sometimes they're almost so full of themselves that whatever we're doing is never good enough for them. And, oh, my God, I'm not on the cover. Well, I don't want to be in a magazine at all then and things like that. I think that's the only sour taste I've got in my mouth out of the entire industry so yeah. far. Yeah, like they're going to take their ball and go home. Yeah, oh, 100%. <laughs> they're the kind of guy that flips the Monopoly board when they're losing. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know the type. I know the type. Does that, uh, does that fit fairly well with you too, Mickey? It definitely rings some bells. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, I think it's the same the same situation uh, that Adam was just talking about with, uh, you know, like we, we had a guy and yeah, when he found out his car wasn't on the cover, he's like, well, I don't want my car to run. It's like, well, that's not up to you, dude. <laughs> um, I also was dealing with a, uh, with a fairly high profile uh, Formula D driver a little while ago. And it turned out that he had a feature in Super Street at the same time. And the car was fairly new at the time. Everyone was kind of buzzing to get it. And I had a photographer call me one night and he's like, man, I'm at, I'm at Grady right now. I'm at Grady HQ. The car is getting dyno tuned. I'm going to do a shoot. And I'm like, okay, I want it. So we got that all set up, uh, that everything was cool. And as far as I knew, the owner was cool with it as well. Uh, it turns out that he had already signed a contract with, uh, with Super Street oh. for a cover feature and stuff like that. And we were going to do a cover feature with this car as well. Yeah. As far as I was told through uh, both the, uh, the shop owner who was taking car care of the car and the photographer, he was cool with us running the feature. And I mean, usually there, there's some weird exclusivity stuff that happens with like tuner mags, but I mean, usually guys don't mind being run into magazines. Like it's just more, more eyes. Like, yeah, who cares? But yeah, it's better exposure um, for all of them. So I had uh, emailed this guy just to say, hey man, like, could you fill out this, this spec list for me or just check over what I have and see if there's any more additions you need to make. Also, uh, there's a questionnaire attached. If you'd rather do a phone interview, let me know, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, oh, there must be some kind of mistake. And I'm like, well, what do you, what do you mean? And he's like, I, he's like I, don't, I, don't think I, can, I don't think I can do this feature. Like I've already signed an agreement with Super Street. I don't think it's gonna work out. I'm like, man, we've already got it. Uh, we've already got it ready to go. I've already allocated all this editorial space. Like, is it really that big a deal? He's like, yeah, it is. Like I could lose my feature with Super Street. And I was like, okay, so you're not gonna talk to me. And he's like, no, I'm not. He said, I'm oh, not man. gonna do your questionnaire. I'm not gonna do your interview. He's like, that's it. And I'm like, okay, well, fuck this guy. I'm gonna run it. <laughs> so I, luckily, 
He has over two hours of live streams and build blogs um, on like YouTube channels and all that stuff. So I combed through over two hours of footage <laughs> to get this questionnaire done and do his spec list. No way. And uh, so I got everything done. I wrote the feature up, no input from him whatsoever. And uh, actually, I really, I really liked the, uh, the feature when it was done, so that was great too. Um, but then, uh, so I said to him, yeah, like, I'm sorry, man, but I'm running it. Um, you know, you can say what you want, that's fine, that's cool, but I already had the editorial stuff. I already, we've already got the photo shoot, everything, so I'm not gonna waste it. Um, it ended up being one of our most popular issues because this car was on the cover, ironically. And uh, also, about a month later, when it came time for his Super Street uh, feature, he emailed me and he goes, Hey bro, do you have that spec list that you did up? I kind of need it for another feature. <laughs> I was like, really? Uh -huh. Yeah, touche. So, yeah, that was kind of like, uh, that was one of the most frustrated I've been because I was like, already had all the materials ready to go. Like, let's let's do this. Okay, I'm excited. Like, this is going to be a great interview. Then have the guy just be like, no, like, that's not possible. It can't run. I'm like, too bad, dude. Yeah. I already got all the stuff it. I need. So I'll <laughs> yeah, do it with or without you. It's got to be super frustrating. I mean, so does that happen often, do you find? Like, because, I mean, there are only a finite number of, I guess, you know, high-profile publications, and everybody's kind of fighting for whatever the new, new you know, feature happens to be, or somebody's found maybe, like, a hidden gem that nobody else gets. Like, how much does that come into the whole kind of workflow of what you guys do? It's, it's happened kind of once or twice, but not, not a whole lot. Um, usually, guys are pretty cool about it. Like, like I said, like, they want to be... They want to be in a magazine or they want to be featured on um, you know like a blog or whatever it is um, so if they've got three outlets talking to them they're usually just stoked they're right. like this is awesome like yeah, are yeah. you telling me i'm getting like a i'm getting like a speed hunters and pass mag and a super street like oh my god that's amazing so usually guys are pretty excited about that um we've had but then again there are some guys that are like uh, that are that are tired of getting the calls like we dealt with a guy i think it was last year maybe two years ago um, we reached out to him. We said, yeah, we really like your car, all that stuff. He goes, okay, well, if you want to feature my car, you have to pay me. <laughs> and we're like, sorry, hold on, what? Hold yeah. One more time? Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, you have to pay me. We're like, okay, never mind. We're not featuring your car. Because, um, yeah, like he literally said, he's like, my car gets too much exposure, if that's even a thing. But he's like, yeah, he's like, my, he's like I feel like my car has been, been featured and highlighted too much. So if you if you want it then um you're gonna have to pay me we're like okay well never mind then wow good I luck mean, with all your other features dude is it is that's a steadfast rule like you guys don't pay for features to feature any cars uh, no so like we'll we we yeah. will pay like a photographer to go out and shoot it yeah 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 or we'll pay you know like a freelance guy to write the feature or whatever. totally cool. totally but we don't pay owners for their time because we feel like we're you know trading something of equal or greater value with a feature and all the stuff that we can kind of offer uh, through the magazine. 100%. Yeah, yeah that totally makes sense. <laughs> um, okay. I'm going to go back to where I start with uh, most of my guests. And um, it goes right back to where it all started, and that's the beginning. So, um, Adam, we're going to start with you. Um, what was it that got you into cars? What inspired or hooked you? And these are kind of like rapid-fire um, style questions. All right. Uh, I think it's a little hereditary. I mean, it ran in my family. My mom once had an S13 and an RX-7 FD. What? My dad had the first 280ZX Turbo in Canada, a bunch of Jaguars and some cool stuff. So I think that kind of gets passed down. But yeah. uh, growing up, I wasn't familiar with all of that because they had long sold their cars by that point. Um, my cousin had a bunch of cool cars down in the island of Trinidad. No way. And, and friends of mine, you know, you see enough burnouts in your lifetime and you start thinking, hey, that's pretty cool. I, I, I want to do that. 
So I think that combined with obviously growing up in the Fast and Furious era, that kick-started <laughs> a lot for us. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's definitely where it started for me. Mickey? Yeah, man. Um, mine was definitely uh, same sort of vein. It was uh, definitely through my dad. Um, he had a couple crazy cars. He had three three RX-7s, uh, Mustang Mach 1, a couple different Camaros. Um, he had a Celica Turbo when I was just a little kid. Um, just always surrounded by stuff, and he's uh, heavily involved with uh, Toyota on the manufacturing side. Oh, so cool. I've just always, always been kind of ingrained uh, with automotive stuff. And I mean, um, like I tell people when I get asked this question, you know, like kids usually wake up early on like a Saturday morning to watch cartoons. I woke up early on a Sunday morning to watch F1 with my dad. So that was kind of like my, uh, I want to say like my, my entrance into it. And then from there, just kind of narrowed it down through tuning. Like my dad had subscriptions to uh, Simimport mags and stuff like that back in the day. Uh, so I'd find like his old stash and go through it. Um, so that was kind of where I'm, I first got. Unlike some other kids going through their dad's stashes. <laughs> exactly. Natures. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I found the good stuff. Yeah, I found. Yeah. I found. Well, it's actually on more work. expensive. This one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, uh, Adam. First car you owned. Yes. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No. The more. The more the better. <laughs> we are at a car show. <laughs> Damn it, Devo. That's a beams. <laughs> That's just so much ambiance right there. <laughs> no, it's so fitting for the background. It's great. Every, <laughs> everything's in check. Okay, so Adam, what was the first car that you owned? So this could be different than the first car you purchased. All right, the first car I ever owned was a 2002 Mazda Protege 5 in like bright friggin' banana yellow. <laughs> it was super great at the time. It was nice, actually yeah. a great first car. Yeah. Um, the first car I purchased was my dad's old Rogue as a daily, but the first fun car I purchased is my current S13 240SX. Nice. Which is a, a work in progress. Right. I think I've seen some of the feature work that you've been doing on it through Passmag. Yeah, is that yeah. accurate? It's a, yeah, it's yeah. a long process coming up now. It's just about ready. Amazing. I uh, sidebar, I, that's the second project car I ever worked on. I bought a single owner S13. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, oh, what? Yeah, from this amazing woman who had like a Formula Ford car and a fully built 350Z track car. What? She was single in her late 40s. That's uh, and this S13 was her daily driver. It had a Jim Wolf tuned ECU. <laughs> it had uh, it had uh, like original uh, Nissan Motorsports before Nismo uh, parts. So he had, no she way. had. Uh, uh, tie bar and suspension and brakes, um, wow. all on that. Those car. are rare goods now. And oh my god, and <laughs> I, it's it kills me because the car's long gone. Uh, oh. But um, it was in hyper white, and I had it really nicely. Uh, I just had like a refresh done on the paint, right? Um, but just a respray. Still had the KA in it, and I uh, moved to Toronto. Had to sell the car. The kid that was buying it, I, I kind of used the same rule she sold it to me on, which was she was looking for the right buyer. Right. And I was I was working at Nissan Canada's head office at that time, so oh, I was right, like, "It's right. me, I'm the one." Like, you need to sell me this car, and that was probably, God, 14 years ago. And um, she, uh, so anyway, so I sold it to this kid. He put an SR20 in it. Two weeks later, car's gone. Oh. She completely destroyed it. Yeah, completely no. destroyed it. Anyway, sorry, Mickey. Uh, first car you owned, first car you purchased. Uh, okay, first car I owned was actually the first car that I um, that I bought as well. Um, it was a piece of shit 1997 Acura Integra GS uh, best thing about it was the interior spotless leather interior the whole outside and the engine and everything else about it was crap I bought it off a girl in uh, Brampton uh, I don't even know what year it was I bought it when I was like 15 actually 
Um, so before I could drive, before I even knew how to drive manual, I just parked it on the side of my house until I had my license. And then the first day that I did and I was able to, I actually, I drove it without plates down to um, like the, uh, the MTO to pick up my plates. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And uh, so I got lucky with that. I didn't get in any trouble. So I learned, I learned to drive manual in that car like on my way to the MTO. Um, but yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a piece of shit. It was like not in any good shape whatsoever, but that let me just be able to get up to uh, some shenanigans in it. So I had a lot of fun with that car before it eventually just gave up and died. I think I got rid of that plus all my parts for like 500 bucks at one point. Oh, no so, way. She's long gone, but I miss her. Um, so did you guys, did you guys tinker with cars when you were growing up? Like, was that part and parcel with, with owning a car? Uh, I think, I, I don't think I really started tinkering with cars until I bought that Integra. That's kind of where I like cut my teeth on yeah. a lot of the stuff. And I started doing, you know, like oil changes and brake jobs and, you know, rebuilding, uh, heater hoses and stuff like that. Like it was just, um, that's where I kind of got my experience because it was like back then I was just like a broke student and if I wanted my car to run I wanted to go play with my friends I had to fix it yeah um, so yeah I think that's probably where I'd get the most because I think for sure yeah my uh, I didn't really have any uh, like friends or like my parents they didn't have uh, any experience uh, modifying cars or anything like that so yeah I just kind of got into it because I was like oh well I have a I have a, you know, an Acura, I have a Honda, so I, I should do some stuff to it. And I did, but none of it was good as it usually is when you're 16 years old and own a Honda, but yeah. What do we have next? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what was the cool car that everybody had when you guys were in high school? So just about everybody in high school that just started driving had a Honda Civic yeah, of some sort. That. If it wasn't a Pontiac Crapfire or a Sunfish, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Honda Civic was everywhere, right? Um, especially the the late '90s to early 2000s ones. If anyone's parents were nice enough to buy them a newer car, they'd have something like that. But yeah, it was Honda Civics everywhere. Yeah, we had we also affectionately knew uh, Cavaliers as Chandeliers. Chandeliers. <laughs> I haven't heard that one before. Yeah. That's a good one. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Mickey, what about you? I. Uh... Or, and did both of you guys go to, are you Canadian? Did you both uh, grow up in Toronto? Uh, no, actually. Uh, north uh, of the city for me. Okay. I'm like way out. I, uh, I grew up in Cambridge. Okay. Uh, so a little bit kind of farther west there. Um, but yeah, where I, uh, where I grew up was a little bit kind of on the edge of the country. So like there was the meeting, the high school was like a meeting of like the city and the country kids. So a cool car back then would have been either, if you're like a city kid, it would have been probably like, um, like, a, like a Mark IV Jetta yep. uh, or, uh, or a Civic as well. And then all the country kids just had like Cummins turbo diesels. Like, just it, it was like you either drove like a pickup truck that's been in your family for like 30 years or like a hand me down uh, Jetta or Civic sort of a thing. So that was kind of like the, the usual stuff that you get. Yeah, you get those. We, I, I grew up in the middle of nowhere in the country and it was predominantly trucks too, but oh, yeah. it was every once in a while a, a Civic or a Prelude. Um, pre I really didn't get the Preludes, but lots of Civics and everybody I, I just like sought after those. Yeah. Yeah, man. Friend of mine still has, he's kept his since I think from when he was, uh, actually it was when he was in college, but uh, you don't see him very often anymore either, but. No, you don't. Um, okay, so we're gonna move to last couple. Oh yeah, okay, uh, dailies, uh, daily driver or, or stable of cars, what do you guys have? I mean, what'd you drive here today? Um, my, uh, my daily driver is my, is my project slash toy as well. Uh, I drive a 2015 Scion FRS. Um, I've done a few things to it. I got a, 
like MXP catback, um, uh, HSD coilovers, uh, work CR2Ps, um, a Vortex supercharger. Oh, nice supercharged. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a lot of fun, man. Like that car, that car base is a lot of fun. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's just a slow car. Oh, it's only two liters, but. I mean, like you can have a lot of fun with that car because you're really yeah. supposed to just drive it like max everywhere. Absolutely, yeah. Um, it's one of those like at the limit cars, ten tenths, and you're good. Totally, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I had an opportunity to uh, get get kind of hooked up with a with a Vortec, and uh, man, it's it's a lot of fun. So, what kind of power does that end up making with the supercharger? Um, I think with the tune, it's just I think it, it, it's a little bit south of 300. So it's like two. I, I want to say it's around like a 290, nice. something like that, or maybe even a little bit less. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's awesome. It's uh, very linear power, but you as you get from from the supercharger. But uh, it's a centrifugal setup, so you get all the cool like turbo noises and all that good stuff. So it's great. <laughs> nice, Adam. Uh, for me, I've got my dad's old Nissan Rogue as my daily. He was uh -huh. looking to get rid of it as he retired and stopped driving, so I picked it up. It was in the family. It's the best winter car in the world. <laughs> yeah, they're good. And then as the the fun car, I've got my 1990 S13. 240SX. Right. And uh, it's got an SR20 swap. It's a little bit modified, but obviously that's that's never done. I've got an S15 SR that I've been building slowly but surely in the shop right now, which is going to go in in a couple weeks. And Sweet. then we have a couple more things to do before she's done. Nice. Yeah, that's fun. I love it. Um, okay. So on to the show here, guys. So we're at the fitted show here in Toronto. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the ninth annual. I mean, what do you guys do? Like in terms of your involvement, how are you involved with uh, fitted? I mean, and you know, it can be as broad sweeping or as, uh, as simple as you want. Uh, I guess you could say we're like the, uh, the primary media sponsor. Um, and uh, yeah, every year we're involved in um, at least coverage. So we'll go through, we'll take a bunch of pictures, we'll cover the show, you know, post the award list, all that good stuff. Um, it's always a great show uh, to be involved in because it's kind of like, I wanna say it's almost like at the beginning of the seasons. This is where you get to really see what everyone's been like tinkering and, tinkering and toiling with over the winter. Yeah. Um, and this is where it all comes out and this is where you see all the, you know, the serious fitment guys. So it's always a lot of fun. Uh, it's always a lot of good quality stuff. Um, yeah, but, you get the, uh, uh, the hashtag uh, fitted prep for everything. Yeah, going exactly. On there. I was exactly. following through that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you, yeah. You find yourself looking at that hashtag a lot more um, as you kind of approach May. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, as far as uh, as far as passes involved, uh, the past two years uh, we've done a uh, editor's choice award. So uh, last year I ran around and uh, you know was looking to see what kind of encompassed. Uh, I want to say it's almost like the encompasses the spirit of, of fitted, but also encompasses the, the um, spirit of, of past mag as well. So a full build, but has ridiculous, really good fitment, and it's just like you can't. Uh, I guess once you see an editor's choice car, you kind of just like no, you're just like that's it, that's the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so the uh, whoever wins that last year it was um, it was Aiden's uh, Lexus IS300. Is it uh, is it back here again this year? It's not. No, oh, okay. he doesn't. Uh, he's got it away. He's got the unicorn away right now, but um, yeah, we um, this year we'll be choosing someone, and the winner of the uh, Editor's Choice Award gets a uh, full feature in, in pass. Oh, nice! So you get a nifty little trophy here, yeah, and huge. then uh, and then I'll be uh, calling you up soon afterwards, and we'll uh, get a feature sorted out. It's awesome. Yeah. Anything that you guys are noticing? Um, I mean, you're obviously kind of have your thumb on the pulse of everything when it comes to trends or new tech or. Um, kind of just like generally what's happening and what's different at shows every year. Um, is there anything in particular that you see with that right now? That's new. <laughs> That's, that is aimed right at us. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh, man. 
See, it's great because I have my headphones on. I can still hear you guys perfectly. Oh, okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got, we just got right. island vibes. So good. Because this okay. is like literally this is our last question too. Okay. So it's, yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> so you wanna you wanna start, Mickey, with what you're noticing uh, in there? Sure. I um. Hmm. Yeah. As far as as far as new trends. Uh, no, I want to say I think people have kind of dialed back a little bit as far as like uh, ridiculous like aggression, like as far as you know like stupid timbre and stuff like that. There's not a whole lot of rides like that around here anymore. I don't know if because if it's because people are realizing like it's not worth it as far as damage to the car, or it's not worth it as far as uh, you know uh, negative attention from uh, you know MTO or the cops or whatever else. Right. Yeah. But I feel like everyone's kind of dialed their stuff in a little bit more, which uh, I kind of like. I like that a lot more. Yeah, uh, me too. More functional it is. A lot more kind of like track stand stuff, which I'm kind of cool with seeing. A lot more uh, like meaty fitment. Um, yeah, which is all kind of positive changes. I really like seeing all that stuff. I mean, you can't go wrong with something that looks, you know, like it could be on the track and maybe it does. Like, uh, you know, you can't take a show car to the track, but you can take a track car to the show. Right. So, yeah. All right, guys. Well, I listen, I think just based on our uh, on our new background uh, track, we're going to probably wrap it up. But um, where can we find you guys? Uh, well, there's um, so it's pretty much at uh, PassMag on anything. I believe on Facebook, we're Performance Auto and Sound Magazine. Uh, that is what PassMag stands for. Uh, there, someone else runs a fake PassMag Facebook page. We've tried oh, to get no them to take it down, and they won't. Okay. So we just like to make sure everyone goes to Performance Auto and Sound Magazine instead of PassMag. Right. Um, and that's on Facebook, on Instagram. That, that's on Facebook, on on Instagram, Twitter, whatever else. It's at Pass uh, at PassMag. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Awesome, guys. Well, listen, that wraps it up. Um, it's episode 46 of the Bucket Seat Podcast. I'm your host, Trevor Byrne, and I'm here with Mickey and Adam from PassMag. So, guys, thanks so much for uh, chatting. Thank you if, for uh, if that yeah, ends pleasure. up distorting the end of this, I'll uh, I'll just do a little, like, cut in and I'll okay. dub over what you guys have been saying. Yeah. But uh, I thanks hope it works for... out. I hope we got the little kind of, like, island track. In yeah, the we will. That's, cool. That's good. The, ambi- the ambient noise is always nice. Yeah. Um, I'm glad these mics worked out the way that they did. And um, yeah. I'd love to have you guys on, um, you know, on for uh, maybe a follow-up episode in the Anytime. next coming weeks. Absolutely. Anytime, man. This was a lot of fun. Awesome, dudes. Thanks, thanks again. Much,